You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're discussing seasonal reading. Are some books better in specific seasons? We're also testing some magnetic bookmarks and solving a reader problem about coming up with good book club questions. But first, Bria, what are you reading? Um, I am reading... Okay, so we got... Um, during the drive, someone said, I love books that are, like, interactive and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, like, yes. they said they were, like, it's, like, non-traditional biographies or something. And they're, like, you know, like Star Child, the Octavia Butler biography book. And I was, like, I don't know. This came out last year, and I was, like, but I'm going to order. I so, saw this on your kitchen table. I, I was going to ask yeah. you how it was. <laughs> so I've been reading it. This is my morning book right now. It's... Really cool. It is called Star Child, a biographical constellation of Octavia Estelle Butler by E.B. Zaboy. Okay, so it came out last year. It is about the young life of Octavia Butler. Everyone knows I love Octavia Butler if you listen to this show. It both tells the story of her life, but then, like, every few pages, there's, like, a poem about her life that um, E.B. Zaboy wrote, and it's all about the time period. So there's one, like, about the civil rights movement because she was born around that time. Um, and then also, like, her uh, her experiences, like, there's just a poem about how she loved loved animals and stuff. And so it's, like, it's just about her and, po- and poetry based on her life. It is a really interesting kind of biography, and I've never really seen anything like this before. So when someone asked for this, I was like, what is that? Yeah. Um, and I think, I can't remember what I ended up suggesting for this person. Do you? I don't remember, but I do remember you being like, I'm buying this book and right now. And I did buy it. And it's really gorgeous. And again, it's like a nice, like, it's not, it's kind of a book that you read a few pages and kind of digest it. It's not something maybe you read straight through. But I'm really enjoying it. I read it in the morning with my breakfast. Uh, what are you reading, Melly? Why do we always end up reading almost the same things? When we're talking- you reading Star Child? No, but I'm also reading a biography. Oh, weird. We always end up reading similar books at the top of the show. I am reading a biographical graphic novel. Biographic novel. Oh. Uh, It is Queenie, Godmother of Harlem uh, by Arely Levy and Elizabeth Columba. And it is a, so it's a black and white graphic novel biography of this real life woman, Stephanie St. Clair. And she was like this infamous mobster in Harlem in the 1930s. And she was a bootlegger and she like had her fingers in all kinds of cool criminal enterprises. Uh. And she was murdering people and selling things and doing cool stuff. It's, it's really, really cool. It's really, really interesting. I had never really seen anything like it. And it has like one of the most beautiful covers I've ever seen. It's like a black and white picture of her, but she's holding a whiskey glass and like the whiskey glass has like gold foil in it. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I'm really enjoying it. And it's a, it's a 2023 release. Uh, so it's new. Uh, so that's Queenie Godmother of Harlem by Aureli Levy and Elizabeth Columba. And mine is Star Child, a biographical constellation of Octavia Estelle Butler by E.B. Zaboy. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. A lot of folks emailed about tracking your book locations. And we got Katie who wrote in to say, Hey, Brian Mallory, I loved hearing on a recent episode that Bria has been using a map to track book locations for the 2023 reading challenge. I also really wanted a map to look at and wanted to share how I'm doing it. I went looking for an app to use and I found quite a few apps out there for avid travelers. I'm now using an app called Pin Traveler to track my books. When I start a book, I add it to the app as a wishlist destination Mm. with the book title in the description and it shows up as a lightly colored push pin on the world map. 
When I finish the book, I can mark the pin as visited and it shows up in full color. I'm really enjoying watching the map come together. I've seen some questions from glassers around how to track sci-fi slash fantasy books not set on Earth for the challenge. I've decided I'll do it by dropping a pin in the Bermuda Triangle (laughs) (laughs) and logging all of my random entries there. If I somehow find and read a book set in the Bermuda Triangle this year, I'll figure something else out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. One, I love this. We've got to test out this app for sure. And two, are there any books set in the Bermuda Triangle? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some sci-fi books set in the Bermuda Triangle. Do you know, I think I've talked about this on the show, that this, the Bermuda Triangle was one of the places I was most scared of as a kid. Oh, yeah. I was, I like, was well, what if I get on a plane and we accidentally fly into the Bermuda yeah, Triangle? Yeah, it was something that I, I thought it was like a real high priority list oh, of yeah. like, things yeah, to yeah, be yeah. afraid of. For sure, for Piranhas, sure. Piranhas, quicksand, Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I love you saying as if there's multiple Bermuda Triangles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be careful, there's a beautiful... Well, you don't know. I well, mean... there's the Bridgewater Triangle, Massachusetts, so... Oh, I don't know. Be... Is that the same thing? Kind of, but it's not over the ocean, but it's like an area of Massachusetts that, like, people have seen, like, aliens and oh, puckwudgies yeah, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. spooky things. So, careful those triangles. They're out there, people. <laughs> triangles. I think this is a great idea, though, because Bermuda Triangle, yeah, that works for a space yes, place. Yes, yes. It's a space place. A space place. <laughs> uh, another Katie wrote in and said, hello, Brian Mallory. I just finished listening to your episode about tracking setting locations of your reads. I recently attended a librarian slash technology conference and learned about this cool tool that allow you to create and share digital maps that would be awesome to track book locations. The website is www.proxy with an I, uh, XI.co. And you can create a free account to make and color code your map, add logo slash icons, and tailor categories with the click of a button. You can also share maps like a Google Doc and add points with a friend to compare locations. Ooh. Although not good for fictional or fantasy settings, it's still fun to see where the dots on the map are compared to where you live. I'm a middle school librarian and plan to use a map like this for students to plot places they've been both in reading and reality. Check out my map here. And then Katie left a link to map we'll put links to both of these in the show notes but i think we should test these out yeah these are cool okay i'm looking at katie's map right now it says book setting it has all sorts of okay she she read one in waxahachie oh it's funny and like at the places where she uh uh read books there's little books on there so there's one somewhere in like north northwestern oregon I have so many books set in Northwestern Oregon, and I don't know why. That's been, like, a weird where I'm like, how am I reading? I guess it's, like, I don't know. It's the Edinburgh of uh, 2023. It's the Edinburgh of 2020. Yeah, um, let's see if she has one in Edinburgh. Hold on. I'm going to look right now. I'm looking. I'm looking. It's it does up. kind of look like. <laughs> yes, she does. It's Anatomy of Love Story set in Edinburgh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Love it. Uh, then Amy wrote in with a wheelhouse and Amy says, I just wanted to thank you for the podcast, especially for the interview with Lev Rosen about Lavender House. I'd been in a reading slump for years, but I got this and read it in about three days and I loved it. I Aww. haven't read like this in ages and I'm now on my fourth book in a month. It's like it's broken the seal. Well, that's Lavender House is a great fucking book and I'm not surprised. Uh, thank you also for the advice to dump that book. I've realized that a lot of the problem has been that I didn't want to read the book I was supposed to be on. So I was stuck. Now I'm only reading books I enjoy and it's wonderful. Dump books can go to the little free library on my street. Hmm. I find it very hard to say what my wheelhouse is because having ADHD means my brain just files everything I don't like under boring and therefore everything I like is just not boring. But here goes. Period murder mysteries, cozy for preference, books with light touch fantasy or sci-fi elements, strong plots with purpose, 
history nonfiction gay with an exclamation point <laughs> sounds like a glasser to me <laughs> uh you can email us at reading podcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and quick bookmark for me just want to remind everyone oh my god my book is out this month holy wow. crap and i am doing a live event i am launching the book on may 26th at skylight books with jen vaughn my co-creator it's gonna be really fun you can bring your kids i promise i won't swear i'll be i'll bring my slide whistle it's gonna be really fun uh and if you want to get a signed book and you can't come to the event the only way to get one right now from both jen and i signed book is from pre-ordering it from skylight i love them i've been partnering with them for years i'll put a link in the show notes but if you have a kid in your life who loves movies and videos and creativity and you are looking for something to get them that will teach them about how to make a movie how to get into the film industry this is for them and maybe for you if you also feel that way so i'll link in the show notes for both the book and the event at may 26th at skylight um also, a quick bookmark from both of us. We want to issue an apology. We're very sorry to Rebecca. Uh, we reviewed a the very beautiful bookmark that we had. They we reviewed uh, a few weeks ago. That like really beautiful fox metal bookmark. Yes, yes. And we're we sorry. Reviewed. We we have a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet. I don't know. Somehow I wrote down Ra- Rachel, but this was in fact from a Rebecca. And we very much appreciate it. So so much so. And Rebecca wrote us and let us know. And we very much appreciate you letting us know. And also Rebecca wrote in her wheelhouse. Um, Love it. Which is fairy tale retellings that are so beautifully intricate that they are their own thing. Small towns with a secret. Sci-fi in space. Gays in space. Spooky <laughs> monsters. Spooky buildings. And Regency romance. Actually, fairy tale retellings that are beautifully intricate. I feel like you sent the right bookmark. Yes. Oh, yeah. This would be a perfect bookmark for that, for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, but sorry about that. And thank you for letting us know. And thank you for the bookmark. Quick bookmark from me this week. Very, very exciting announcement. Something that I have been working on with my very best friend, Lauren, for quite a while. If you are into pens, especially fountain pens, ink, notebooks, journaling, stationery, and creative rituals, or maybe you're curious about any of these things, then this announcement is for you. Friend of the show, Lauren Panapinto, and I have created Ink Witches. It is a weekly Twitch show where every Wednesday night we swatch inks, we set up journals, we test out fountain pens, and we discuss our favorite desktop tools for creativity. We will answer all of your questions about fountain pens, papers, inks, and more. Newbies are very welcome. We're very excited. The first stream is next Wednesday, May 17th, and it starts at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We are Ink Witches, one word, on Twitch, and there is a link in the show notes so come hang out with us on our first stream bring your journal bring your notebooks uh hang out and do some fun desktop stuff with us we're really really pumped so before we talk about seasonal reading we're going to take a quick break reading glasses is sponsored in part this week by magic spoon remember how amazing it was to sneak downstairs when no one was around and eat fistfuls of sugary childhood cereal. Well, I guess when you were in your childhood, it was just regular cereal. But man, that stuff was good. And you know how boring protein shakes and supplements can be? I certainly do. Sometimes they taste just like a big bunch of cement or chalk or chalk cement. Now, what if you took those two things together? Protein and tasty childhood cereals, smash them together into some sort of incredible creation. That would be Magic Spoon. But what is Magic Spoon? 
It is gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free. It is a way to relive those moments watching your favorite cartoons when you were a kid, and it's only 140 calories a serving. Magic Spoon has replicated your favorite childhood cereals to taste good, but each serving contains zero grams of sugar, three to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs per serving. And you want to know something exciting? Birthday cake flavor is back. The super popular previously limited edition only flavor is back to say. Magic Spoon is celebrating their birthday early with this fan favorite. I love Magic Spoon. I have a bunch of it. I have to eat approximately 5 million grams of protein every day (laughs) for my power lifting. So anywhere I can get it is fantastic. And anywhere that I can get it that tastes this good is even better. I really like the fruity flavor and the peanut butter not mixed together because I'm not a wild woman, but maybe you are. They've got coconut, frosted, blueberry muffin, maple waffle, honey nut, cookies and cream, cinnamon roll, all kinds of delicious flavors. So right now you can head to magicspoon.com glasses to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself. And be sure to use the promo code glasses at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Just happiness with the cereal, not happiness in general. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Maybe you can't have happiness with everything in life, but you can have happiness with your cereal. Again, that's magicspoon.com slash glasses and use the code glasses to save $5 off. Glasses. Hi, I'm Travis McElroy. And I'm Teresa McElroy. And we're the host of Schmanners. We don't believe that etiquette should be used to judge other people. No, on Schmanners, we see etiquette as a way to navigate social situations with confidence. So if that sounds like something you're into, join us every Friday on Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're talking about seasonal reading. Are some genres suited to certain seasons? Should you organize your reading by season? And what are our favorite season slash genre pairings? So today's episode was inspired by a bunch of listener emails on the subject. Glassers want to know about seasonal reading. <laughs> now, clamoring. <laughs> do we think this idea has any merit? Are there certain genres that are suited to certain seasons? What do you think, Bria? Well, any idea has merit. I mean, not any idea, but I think like... I can think of some ideas that don't have merit. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. But yes, I think it has merit. I think a lot of people are probably doing this without meaning to or realizing it. I certainly am. Like in the winter, it's so nice to cozy up with a little gothic book. Uh, If a book takes place entirely in the snow, it's going to be harder for me to read it during the summer. You don't want to cool off? No, I don't. (laughs) I don't. By pretending you're in the snow. (laughs) Yeah, and like, like, you know, we just talked about vacation books and like, I think that summer lends itself to lighter books with more sun. I don't know. Like, there's something about it. And depending on your job schedule, I think, like, I mean, some people, if if your seasonal reading is going to feel very different than other people's seasonal reading. But I think a lot of us during, like, that December, um, uh, January, like, lull kind of time, Mm -hmm. we're reading, like, the heavier books, those, like, longer books, because we feel like we have more time because we have time off. Now, if you are, like, a seasonal employee... And, and you're like, fuck this, I work at Macy's, you know? I'm like, oh, then maybe not. Maybe that your seasonal reading is very different. Maybe than my your seasonal, seasonal reading. reading is just seasonal drinking. Yeah, yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> Maybe so. But I mean, I think a lot of us are saving our cozy honkers for that time period. Yes. Uh, what about you? Does this given given merit? Uh, I think so, but I think it's subjective. Besides, like the obvious ones, like reading horror in the fall. Like I think that people <laughs> that's not subjective. That that's not subjective. Nope. Everyone doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I like you were gonna breeze right through. Like no, no, no. Everyone reads horror in the fall. <laughs> that's that's everyone doesn't read nothing but haunted house books all of October. No, that's just you, Mallory. That's just that's not subjective at all. <laughs> well, I'm proving my own point. Uh, I, mean, I just it is subjective. It's subjective. <laughs> so I just think like one person might associate reading thrillers with summer. Someone else might associate them yeah. with spring. Yeah, I think it's just based on personal experience. Like maybe you associate. I personally, you know, associate reading fantasy books um, with winter because that's when I was on school vacation uh-huh, yeah but someone might associate them with summer because that's yeah. when they were on summer vacation or maybe one year someone read like a ton of poetry in the spring and now poetry is like their spring stuff I just think it like we get I, I sometimes see people talking about this in the slack where like they listen to a certain album or drank a lot of a certain drink while they were reading a book and now those two experiences are For so sure. tied together For sure. Um, well, what do we think? Do we have personal associations between different genres? Do you have a spring book? We're going to go through all the seasons now. Yes. Okay. We're going to do the seasons. No. <laughs> Not really for spring. I live in LA. There is no spring. We go straight from winter to summer. Uh, and also, we don't have winter. We don't have seasons. Just so kidding. We have summer. It's, it's just, just summer. summer and then, well, this June gloom. It's for summer like... and then there's uh, there's dry. <laughs> the summer, summer and dry summer, which summer is Summer slugging and then summer again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's about right. So I don't really have one with spring. You have one with spring? Not really. Mm. Uh, we're in spring right now, so up on the mountain, it's very springy. Uh, and, but there haven't been any, like, springy reads that I've picked up. Yeah. If I had to pick, I guess it would be, like, middle grade and YA books, just because a lot of the middle grade and YA books I love are, like, hopeful, and that feels kind of yeah. fitting for spring. But I couldn't, like, if you had, like, a sword and were pointing it at me and were like, pick a spring book, I would have a hard time. Yeah. And you'd be like, that sword's from the winter. That's a winter sword. Yeah. What are you doing? You need a, what's a summer, what's a spring weapon? Uh, just a flower. Bow and arrow. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> that too. Uh, what about summer? You What are your summer books? I do think lighter books, fun books. I'm tra- probably traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's also hot here. So I'm reaching for those comic books to go read outside, which I really like doing. Um, I want things that are maybe not going to weigh me down physically or emotionally. So I think I definitely... Um, <laughs> Do like a like a lighter one, but I this is my association. I went through my Goodreads for the last year, last year, and I was like, oh, actually, it's mostly literary fiction. And I wonder if those are being released around that time, or if I'm just now getting them because of that's when the library holds come up. Because huh. I like tried to get them when they came out in the spring, and I just got them in the summer. But I'm like heavy lit literary fiction during the summer. You know what, God, that would be so interesting to, like, look at your like, reading for the whole year and see what you were. I did that. Yeah. I kind of tried to see if I could find associations. There weren't many. I think about but, if you're if you're a library reader, though, it's harder. Yeah, because you're getting, like, you're waiting on certain books. So you aren't exactly getting them at the time you were hoping to get them. Mm. So I don't know. I, yeah, so summer is weirdly, as much as I'm like, it's light. I'm reading a ton of literary fiction during that time. Huh. I, I think that's a good theory that you it's finally been a few months since all the huge literary fiction that has been released during the spring is finally up yeah and like, I'm getting, I'm, they're arriving on my kindle uh what are you reading during the summer you know you think i'd like to read summary books during the summer but sometimes i save those for the winter when i would like kill a man oh my god Mallory's to afraid. see the sun <laughs> like i know maybe my reading's just weird if i had to pick summer books i would go with the thrillers thrillers yeah, and yeah. romance yeah because those feel sure. like the best 
beach books, vacation books, books that are like easy to fall into when you're sitting next to a pool, mm-hmm. unless they're a spooky thriller, and then it's for October. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, a lot of lighter books, funner books, more like tropey, mm-hmm. um, like just a blast books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, you know what I'm gonna say, but what do you? What do you yeah. say? What about right, autumn? Go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and say what you're gonna say? It's just. Autumn is like it's my magic. It's my special time of well, year. Well, also that's when these books are coming out too. The that's new true. horror books are coming out in the September October time. It is. It is very very true. Um, but what I do, we all know that I am barely, ba- just barely restraining myself from reading nothing but haunted house books all the time, all year. But when October hits, morning of October first, I open my eyes and just <laughs> a rain of haunted house books comes down I from the ceiling. A raven, a raven delivers all the haunted house books to your door. I mean, I'll take that too. And then, like, I'm rolling around in them. Like, that's all I want to do from October first. I sometimes even let it creep into September. Like, if I have a really sure. big stack, I'm like. Whoa. Well, yeah, you should. I saw a grungy leaf outside. Yeah. You know, I mean, I start decorating for Halloween in September, um, but I, I just feels like I am getting as autumnal as I possibly can. Don't you decorate for Halloween year round? Isn't your house kind of Halloweeny? Yes, but you know, okay. September first, we break out the jack o' lantern stuff. I see. I see. I, see. Uh, I just love autumn so much that I especially love a haunted house or just a, a horror book in general that takes place during the autumn. Yeah, that's that is nice. like, oh, and I'm assuming you're. The same. Yeah, mine's We're the same. The other thing horror, I thought horror. of was like, you know, again, like you have that, like those holidays coming up and stuff. I, I like the Thanksgiving holiday. So maybe I'm reading some food stuff, but I, yeah, for the most part, it's going to be horror stuff. I'm leaning that way. All right. What about winter? Slugging season. So winter is weird for me because my industry, whether they admit it or not, <laughs> little, little insight into Hollywood people, <laughs> uh, it shuts down into November through January 16th. Yep. To, through post Sundance. So I have a lot more reading time, but because of this show, I'm reading a lot of best books of the year. Yes. So it is. I didn't think about that. But. Yes. I read a ton of, so I associate winter not with like wintry reads so much as like really good reads from the year. And then also uh, once we kind of have, I've kind of gone through those, I go, I dive into my backlist. Like yeah. in January, I do a lot of backlist books. So it's weird. I don't associate it necessarily with like, Oh, I'm gonna read like a cold, like a cold, like a wintry book. It's like more like I know I'm gonna catch up on my backlist, which is kind of exciting for me. I yeah. love a backlist book. Um, what about you? For some weird reason that I do not understand, but I know some other people feel this way, I associate winter with fantasy, particularly like high fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I kind of do too. But even the ones that aren't like don't take place in a snowy setting are yeah. not cold in any way. For I do not know what it is. I think it's because I would always get these books for Christmas and then I would inhale them on my holiday break. Yeah, that yeah, like yeah, yeah. One... You have the time. You have the time to read them. Oh yeah, and then I would sit and like do nothing but read on the bottom of my bunk bed. I was the bottom bunk <laughs> and like eat pretzels in bed because I was a sick little freak and just do nothing <laughs> but read these huge fantasy books. That's what I, when I, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was read fantasy. And so in my mind, it's like, all right, I think it's the same thing. You have nothing else to do. Yeah. I grew up in New England, so it's wicked cold and snowy. You don't want to go outside. You just read nothing but fantasy. Um, all right. So what do we think? Is it worth trying to organize your books by season? Or do we think some genres are enhanced by reading them in a particular season? What do you think? I mean, you know I love a pairing a book with an event. You do love a book pairing. I, oh, I love it. Like, give me a, tell me what vacation I'm going on so I can plan the book. I do wonder if people should think about this when a book isn't clicking. Like, let's say you are Ooh. reading a book set in a frigid tundra in the heat of the summer. For you, it's 
tundra in the book, summer for the for you in real life, and it just isn't working for you, maybe put it aside and revisit it in the winter when it's cold. I mean, like that, I know, like... Potentially like, hot book or chilly book tip. Yeah, chilly. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I, I know we all can, like, agree a cozy book by cozy fire with a cozy blanket. That is the best experience in the entire world. Um, so why not expand that to other books that you think are not quite working for you where you're like, I don't know, like, this is all on a beach and it is 10 degrees outside. Like, I'm not clicking. So maybe it's the time of year that you're reading it during. Huh, I have the opposite advice. Okay, go. But I do think that's a hot book too because I'm feel I if I have the opposite advice for the same problem. If you are worried and like, oh my God, maybe I should save this book, but you want to mm-hmm. read it right now, is it worth saving it for, for a particular season? And you, if you really want to read it, probably not. Because by the time that season rolls around, you might not feel like it. But if you already don't feel like reading the book, it might be worth <laughs> waiting for a particular season. Like thinking if that's the reason you're not feeling it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like something stuff like this can be hard to plan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you get a book and you're like, oh, this book comes out in spring, but it's a winter book. I'm going to save it for then. And if you want to read it now, just fucking read it of now. Of course, of course, of course. Um, that being said, if you're not a mood reader and you really like planning, I think it would be really fun to kind of organize your TBR by season and see if you like it. My problem is I don't know how quickly I get through some books and not other books, but if you know exactly how long it takes you to finish a book, that would be my thing is I'm like, I don't know if I'll be done with this book yeah. by that point. But some people are far more organized than I am. And I think, you know, Godspeed. You should go, do what you want. <laughs> book speed. <dude>. Book speed. <laughs> but I think this is interesting. I think uh, I'm going to do what you did and look over my TBR f- or look over my book buddy from last year and just see. Yeah. What- Give us a follow-up, Mallory. Let yeah, us know. I think, this, I, guess, I think it's just going to be like normal reading, normal reading, haunted house books, <laughs> best books of the year, and then like one little week of backlist. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Uh, so you can send your thoughts on seasonal reading to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we test out some bookmarks, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people, famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Time to look at some book tech, advances in bookish technology. This week's book tech was sent to us by Rebecca. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And Rebecca had sent us, as a reminder, that really beautiful metal bookmark uh, a few weeks ago that we erroneously said Rachel, but it is from Rebecca. So Rebecca also sent us these little magnetic bookmarks, and they are in the shape of cats. Little cats. Oh, they're black cats. They come in a six-pack. They're between about like two and four inches big. Mm-hmm. Bria, what did you think of these? 
I'm loving them. I'm using them on the book. That's why I actually was thinking about this book I was reading because I was thinking about these bookmarks. I'm using them on the book. It takes, okay, so what they do is they like, they're magnetic in that you fold like them over the page. Yeah, like a little clamp, but the thinnest little clamp you've ever seen. So yes. it's like the thinnest of all clamps. It's not going to take up, it doesn't make your book bulky suddenly. No. Um, it takes a beat longer to take them off and put them back on. Did you see them on my book when you looked at my book? No. Did you see it on there? Oh, because here's the thing. It doesn't add any bulk. It yeah, kind of is I like, like it. it's as thin as a little page. But the nice thing is they will never fall off. Like you can move your book around and they're mm-hmm. not going to fall off. And you can put them on the top or on the side. You can do whatever yeah. you want. Um, and so they're actually quite useful and very aesthetically pleasing. They are. I think they're super pleasing. cute. You don't have to worry about them falling out. That thing is stuck to the page. It is not coming off. It is magnetized to itself, but it's also easy to get off. This is a five out of five for me. I was a really big fan of these. I thought they were very cute, would make great gifts. And also just like, I just was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep these around my house because I know yeah. I can put them on something. They're not gonna fall off. They can stay on there forever. It'll be great. Uh, how, how'd you feel about them? You know, I haven't been crazy about a lot of the magnetic bookmarks we've tested out yeah. on the show. I just like hate fumbling around and trying, like, because I don't have very long nails. So I feel like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I have a hard time like trying to get them, like the little clamp open. But these, won me over. Yeah, these are good. They they definitely take an extra few seconds to like open up and clamp on. They're not like throw it in a bookmark. But the cats are so fucking cute. They're cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, and it's not hard to take them on and off. No, I'm it, like they don't have like crazy amount of magnets. You're not magnet. like solving <laughs> a Rubik's cube <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, these yeah. things on. And but I agree the stamina is top notch. These mm-hmm. bad boys are not going to fall out of your book. I really think they're the perfect bookmark for a tote bag or a purse book. Oh, great. Over travel, like oh, if you know yeah. like speaking of seasonal reading mm-hmm. or like I for like a kid or something I don't know if a kid is putting bookmarks in their books but like this is the kind of thing you can put on there and you don't have to worry about it falling out yes yeah. or if you have real life cats like both of us mm. do my cats love to knock shit over mm, so mine. and sometimes they knock books off the table mm. and my bookmarks fall off or uh every once in a while my my cat sailor loves a plast like loves chewing on plastic and if he sees one of my laminated bookmarks he's like a delicious snack and he'll pull it out of the book oh my god so he can't do that with these that's right so i'm giving it a four out of five just because it takes like an extra half a second to get them on and off yeah but honestly these are my favorite magnetic bookmarks i've ever tried these these are the kind of books like sometimes we get stuff and i'm like i would i want to buy more of these because like you said it's nice to just like leave them around the house if you're reading all over the place yeah it's nice they're really nice so we'll put a link in the show notes to these. And if you have ideas for book tech you want us to test out, you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com or you can check out our wish list in the show notes. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Mia writes in, Hi, Brian Mallory. I have a very specific issue, query, question for y'all. I recently joined my city's local silent book club, which is a group that meets once a month for a parallel reading time of whichever book we personally want to bring. We do discussion time at the end of one timed hour. I love it a lot and it's a great way to get for get forced reading in and meet people. But because it is everyone's own book, I'm having trouble coming up with some good bookish questions right on the spot to ask people about their books. Do you guys have any good general questions to get the convo going, especially for those whose books are a little less known or very niche genres? Also, my wheelhouse is books about books writers, agents, publishers, you name it, independent women, unreliable narrators, stories set in New York, queer characters, and friends to lovers. Thank you so much. I love your show. You brighten my week. This is a great question. Yeah. Um, It's also, I feel like all all the answers to to this question that we're going to give are also applicable on dates. 
Oh, I love that. Great first date questions. Um, So I think one thing that you can always ask, no matter what the book is, is how it made somebody feel. Oh, great. Yeah, I like that. You can, no matter what they're reading, even if they don't like it, you can be like, how does this make you feel? Someone could be like, fucking bad. I don't like this book. But that's a conversation. That's a question you can ask. Um, And that's something people can always talk about without spoilers, which is really good. Uh, And people normally have strong opinions on how a book makes them feel yeah. or maybe what type of person you'd recommend the book to especially oh, like people around yeah. you like what kind of person would like this also you can always be a glasser you can ask them what reading doorway they classify it as uh what their wheelhouse what the what wheelhouses this book hits on i think uh those are just really general questions that are easy for someone to answer don't require any spoilers and are great conversation starters what mm-hmm. do you think yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Uh, I, I was going to say wheelhouse. I even thought, like, because you're already saying, like, if these are really niche genres, you can ask people to describe the niche genre of their oh, book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, if you have, I mean, I know you're not, like, the leader of this group, but um, if you were able to explain the idea of a wheelhouse or a doorway, or maybe even if you're, like, the very, you know, you want to get your things together and you want to put it down on a piece of paper and say, like, hey, here's some wheel houses, here's some whatever, explain them to people mm-hmm. so you're all speaking, like, have the same language. Um, or you can just tell them to listen to you, reading glasses. You, yeah, you tell them to listen to reading glasses. <laughs> but I think, like, saying, like, hey, here's what a wheelhouse is and maybe think about what your book is, um, I think that could be something, like, uh, who, what kind of people would read this book? Yeah. Or if I'm a fan of, if someone's describing, you know, um, this book, Star Child, that I'm reading, and you're like, oh, well, that'd be for people who like biographies or people who like poetry, you know? Like, yeah. so... You can, you know, kind of figure out what are the wheelhouse items for them. Um, but, yeah, I think that those are great questions. How do you make, how it makes you feel is actually a really good question, Mallory. I've noticed that, and I don't know if you've seen this on, like, Instagram, uh, more and more publishers are and authors are promoting their books like that. They're, like, it's like a little picture of the book and then all these little arrows. And it's, like, um, like I saw one for a book I read recently, The Foxglove King by mm-hmm. Hannah Witten. Like, love triangle, religious trauma, death magic. Like, that's how people like to talk about books. Like, you know, we talked recently on the show about how the backs of books now, like, basically tell you nothing. It's just like, I don't care if it's an ambitious saga. Like, tell me who, like, is there a love triangle in it? Is it a haunted house book? Like, that's the shit that people want to know. That's the thing that people want to talk about. That's how people, most people, like, look for books. No one is like, well, I love an ambitious book. No, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You love enemies to lovers. (laughs) That's what you like. So I think um, that, and, and like I said, these are great date questions. That's a good, you know what? That's good. You could also say to someone like, if this had a shelf talker, what would it say? Oh, that's you the know? perfect way to put it. Yeah. If this had a shelf talker, like you were selling it at a bookstore, what would it say? Yeah. And that, that's a, yeah. So I think instead of asking people like describe the plot of your book, which I'm like kind of interested, but I'm also way more interested for you telling me if there are enemies to lovers in it. Yeah. Yes, like that's I, what people is are it into. sci-fi? Is it in space? Or there, is it queer? Cool. I'm, I probably am interested, <laughs> you know, like that's, I'm way more interested in that book. Yes. Um, so if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your reader question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. Folks, we never heard from anybody who runs the Goodreads page. So I'm officially, at least for now, taking it off the episode outline. But if you run our Goodreads page or you do anything for us for Storygraph, let us know. We'll shout you out. And remember, if you want to look hot and show off your bookishness and help me and Bria pay our bills, buy chocolate and bourbon, yes, feed 
our significant others. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to our board march store and you can buy tote bags and shirts and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. There's a link in the show notes for that. And if you like the show and want to do something for us that's completely free, you can rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It is absolutely fantastic for us. Bria, we are less than 50 reviews away from 1,500. Wow, that's a lot. How about we do something at 1,500? Ooh, okay. What do you want to do? Maybe we, that's when we can. Sopapia party. Soap, I will eat a sopapia. Okay, I'm excited. I will do that. I don't know where I'm going to find one here, though. You can find it. We'll find it. You're like, we're in LA. We can find a sopapia. Please get on our phone. Anything in LA. Sopapia is near me. (laughs) I'm literally about to Google it right now. Uh, So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for for reading. reading.